Cineboys to Cinemen, episode 40. Episode 4-0. 40 episodes in a year. There ah. we go. Just, yeah, be about a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How many weeks is in a year? 52? 52. That's so not bad, is it? Oh, yeah, we've only missed 12 weeks, which is, <laughs> actually, sounds, it sounds bad that when sounds I say worse like that. You yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've yeah. not missed 40 weeks, so. so. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, good way to phrase it. <laughs> Happy New Year to you all. Yes. I uh, hope you had a lovely Christmas as well. Seems weird saying that now we're sort of like... In early January, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, Christmas is long gone. Yeah, I just go. I think it's so strange how society just moves on so quickly from Christmas. Oh yeah, we were taking the decorations down yesterday. Like, well, that's that then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so bleak, isn't it? The amount of effort. My wife Hannah, um, I've mentioned her in the past. She like double bowed them the decorations onto the tree, so they're really difficult to get off. So Grounds she, for a divorce. She, yeah. <laughs> She just, yeah. I mean, I mean, we'll, I'll say I've got it now. Spare room. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> might be useful actually. Thanks. Yeah, good. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. No, it's funny. People when they put decorations up for Christmas, they don't. They, they it's so difficult to conceive the notion that you have to take them down because you're so excited when you put them up. Yeah, you're like, I'm going to secure these very tightly because <laughs> this is going to be my feeling forever now. And it obviously is never the case. No, and we're in January. Gloomy yeah. January. Yes. But no fear, the Sinner Boys are here. <laughs> we're still we're still doing it. We're still doing yeah, it. Yeah. We're still here. With a 2023 retrospective. Yes. So it's something we've probably started talking about on the podcast since October. Um, but it's a good opportunity for us to sort of like assess the year, mm. pick out some of our favourites from the year, some of the shit ones, yeah. <laughs> for the lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, and also um, to sort of talk about maybe how our opinions might have changed about some of the other films as well. Mm. And of course, reflect on the industry more broadly, because it's been a really interesting year. Um, I think cause for hope in, 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 in some parts. Generally, yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, and also potential sort of seismic changes ahead in terms of like, you know, with the trajectory of the industry, the trends, with Marvel having a wobbly moment. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it'd be interesting to see how that impacts this year. I do, yeah. So we'll also, I guess, conclude the episode with a sort of discussion about some of the things we're looking forward to this year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Shall we do it? Let's go. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right then, uh, 2023, a year in which the inconceivable happened. Yes. I'm not saying this with like a sort of sense of sadness. I'm just saying that for a long time it seemed impossible to imagine the idea that Marvel would ever have a, a, a moment where... Yeah, things would start to look very choppy for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's really been the case for them this year, hasn't it? I mean, in the latter stages, I guess more more so. Part of me, yeah, part of me feels quite smug about it as well because I was predicting this for years beforehand. I was like, "There's no way people are going to carry on wanting to watch these films." Yeah, um, and it's finally happened, and I feel weirdly quite good about it. That's um, I don't feel good about it in the sense, obviously, I don't want people's careers to like end and mm. for people to lose their jobs and stuff. But it's not what you were I saying have, out of the podcast. Well, <laughs> <laughs> officially, the line is my official line, yeah. party line. <laughs> um, no, it's just funny because I, uh, I I got sick of them quite a long time ago. You were, yeah. Your tolerance yeah. for them was not as strong as a lot of other people's. I knew. Yeah, yeah. Like, and um, I don't mean that as a criticism. No, yeah. I just. Uh, I found even the ones that were getting critical praise to be sort of quite difficult to watch and cookie cutter and like, and again, I'm not saying that like I have the kind of sixth sense for these things, but I was confused as to why people were heaping so much praise on them. 
Mm. And it's finally happened. Um, the bubbles burst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you got the Marvels, you got Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. Neither of which have done very well. Morbius was twenty twenty two, wasn't it? So that and that's Sony. So that, yeah. <laughs> right, lingers <laughs> lingers on though. Lingers with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's been other Marvel films this year that haven't uh, done brilliantly. Yeah, TV hasn't. You know, I think there's been a real oversaturation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Secret I think that's invasion. something they're starting to acknowledge. Yep. Um, yeah, I think particularly with Ant-Man, Quantumania and Marvels, yeah. you know, there's a clear sense that there's a real lack of... Just a lack of interest, really. Yeah, I mean, I think it stems from the fact they just don't have a compelling roster of characters moving forward. No. Or that the legacy of the past cluster yeah. of heroes was so well entrenched in the sort of public... Um, yeah. consciousness that the idea of anyone else taking that mantle is sort of almost inconceivable. I mean, yeah. there was even there was some rumours floating around they were going to try and bring some of them back. It just <laughs> smacks of desperation, doesn't it? Yeah. But, no, I, I you know I agree with you. I think it's high time things change up a little bit. You know, I wasn't overtly critical for a sort of long time. I just sort of accepted them as part of the landscape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was this sort of lingering feelings of affection towards comic books as a gem, as a, as a medium, more yeah. broadly as as someone that used to be quite into them. Mm. Um, but over the last couple of years, I've definitely seen an increase in fatigue, a frustration with how it has dominated the industry so much so that it's become increasingly difficult for some smaller voices and smaller films to have their slice of the pie, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Lack of <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, you know, I think it is high time that things change up. Do I think they're going to stop? No. no. I think they've probably got a lot more juice in the tank before people really properly sack them off. Mm. Um, but I do think it's going to be interesting to see how they move forward and how they change things because, you know, a lot of other big companies around them that have tried to ape that sort of multi-linked overarching narrative across mediums have largely all failed yeah with the exception of maybe star wars but even then they've not really had considerable success in their in their films it was diminishing returns yeah completely like uh i mean i know disney owns both of them anyway they do yeah yeah like start the the force awakens made was one of the highest grossing films of all time Last Jedi was very financially successful. It divided quite a lot of people. I quite like that film. It's my favourite um, of the three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, Rise of Skywalker didn't make much. I mean, it did make a profit, but it wasn't... uh, It was like half of what Force Awakens made, and everyone hated it. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's shit. (laughs) Uh, That's all I have to say about Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But no, I'm quite interested to see how... May, you know, yeah, just how they approach things. Like, obviously, you've got the whole sort of thing with Jonathan Majors as well, that being like a sort of. Yeah, they've sacked content. him, haven't they? They have officially yeah, sacked yeah. him now. So, like, they'll get either they'll recast Kang or they'll re- get, get a new villain in and it'll be like a kind of substitute for what presumably they've screen screenplays were getting written already. Um, and I kind of hope it still doesn't work. <laughs> it's, but, but I don't know, maybe, maybe they'll rejuvenate in a way that I find refreshing so yeah yeah I think uh, it's the nature of the way they go about it isn't it I think Mm. um, you know it's the way again we've said this a lot but that sort of constantly moving narrative uh, has always got an eye on future projects future characters yeah and there's always this sort of sense that a lot of these decisions are made in a big marketing room yeah Um, yeah. and that really impacts the overall enjoyment of, of the film um, yeah, I mean, you know, 
we accept that blockbuster cinema has to exist and we accept that there can be some real bangers that come out of that industry yeah that side of the industry uh but i just think the way they've gone about it uh and the way in which it exudes such dominance is yeah it is it, it, it's hard not to sort of greet it with a sense of fatigue yeah. these days. so yeah no I, i'm up for a change me too yeah yeah Sorry, Marvel, you've had your time in the sun. Well, you've had like 20 It has been years, a really long time. You know, and they've made yeah. billions. It's like, I don't really have any sympathy for them, to be perfectly no, honest. Yeah. And like the people that love those films and the sort of fandom and culture that obsesses over them and, you know, has a, you know, will set fire to your house if you don't like them. Well, frankly, you've got fucking loads of films and TV shows to watch <laughs> yeah, over yeah, and over yeah. again, and should you want to. Yeah. So, you know. My sympathy for you isn't particularly high. No, there's a few people on Facebook naming no names, obviously. <laughs> uh, that I, I, I'm just like, oh really? Like pack it in? Like seriously? Don't I? I don't understand. Like they were defending the Marvels. Um, and I was like, I, are you sure? <laughs> like, are you? I mean, I know it's meant to be all right, and maybe you know, I get that it's their opinion, and they might have gone to the cinema at a really good time because they have like always grown up watching the comic books. But I'm just like, I'm getting. It's every day as well. It's like another thing about oh, Marvel wow, okay. that gets shared. I'm just like, all right. Um, this it seems like a crusade for them. Yeah, now. yeah. I mean and, that, that yeah. does tend to happen, doesn't it? I think. I mean, I guess with the Marvels and Brie Larson and Captain Marvel, there's always that sort of bizarre sort of contingent of uh, society that seems to just hate films that you know seem to be even remotely progressive yeah yeah so i think yeah. from that perspective i can understand sticking up for it but yeah yeah, yeah but, uh, but uh, you know as a you know as a as a film it's not very good so and it's and it just to me spells the beginning of the end i think so um, i mean quantum mania did that as well because that was shite yeah that hasn't got any better in my head no no <laughs> Since, and we'll talk yeah. about that a little bit later yes uh, as ben's favorite film of the year yeah <laughs> um I guess the only, the only other phenomena really made you to talk about uh, is Barbenheimer. I mean, that yeah. was something that really, obviously, I mean, surprised everybody. I think. Yeah, it came. It was around the same time as when the strikes were really like at their peak. Yeah, uh, industry disrupting kind of situation going on, and I think both of them managed to get their get their premieres, but they weren't able to do any promotion or press. Yeah, or press, and so. I don't know whether the landscape was like you know heavily desaturated with actors talking about films that were out and people on the internet rallied <laughs> and kind of did their own promotion for it and it happened to be you know it, it was a, the the two films that were so like so much different from each other uh, coming out in the same weekend usually that's a tool it's almost like a competitive thing isn't it and I think I guess at a time when people weren't getting what they wanted in terms of like the interviews they were like well we've got to have something exciting something exciting about all yeah, this and yeah, up, yeah. Both, both films became really really successful um, yeah I think you're right it's interesting I didn't yeah I sort of didn't really consider obviously with the strikes and the yeah. that, that would obviously impact the um, the promotional run for these films certainly yeah, yeah it's not really a general it's a generational thing and I think I'm of the generation that doesn't really ingest that kind of media a lot but no, short form content really. is quite important to uh, promoting a film these days yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, you know if there was a lack of that going on people would just start generating their own <laughs> yeah yeah and it it was just so lovely. I mean, just for someone that loves movies and wants this industry to continue to thrive as best as it can, 
Yeah. You know, it was so lovely to see just an enthusiasm for the cinema. Yeah, and yeah. I, it's weird. Like we, I was reminded of that when I went to see Boy and the Heron last week. Okay, in yeah. Avonmead, and the screen was packed. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh man! And yeah, it might have yeah. something to do with the fact that there's only one showcase left now. Okay, uh, in yeah, Bristol, yeah. but um, it was rammed, and it just it just made me think, fuck, this is this is good for like a you know a Studio Ghibli film as well. Like, yeah. I don't know, like. And that's what it reminded me of, of sort of that experience with Barbie and mm. just the way in which it sort of really tapped into something and people not only came to the cinema en masse, but they sort of made like an event of it and yeah, they dressed up. Yeah. And, and unironically as well. Yeah, yeah. There was no joke to it. It was like a real sort of collective celebration of something of, of the... If Even if you didn't enjoy the movie, it's 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 nice to see that enthusiasm for a movie. Yeah, Particularly yeah. for a medium that, you know, has had a fair few knockout punches come its way and managed to dodge them just, you know? But Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I just I just think it was really a really lovely thing. It was funny to be paired with... with Something that was so different in Oppenheimer, yeah, yeah, certainly sort of tonally and obviously in terms of subject matter, completely. Um, which again is something I want to talk about. I want to talk about both of those films, yeah, later yeah, on. okay, yeah. And I think you do as well, don't you? In terms yes. of that sort of uh, how the landscape of discourse around those films has sort of shifted ever so slightly, and yeah, um, I'd like to talk about hip- hypocrisy as well, yeah, in general. I think that would be a big theme when we do, yeah, discuss yes. that. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it, both films are still films I, I would look back on and say I liked, yeah, yeah, um, but oh, yeah. my view of them has been tempered somewhat, somewhat, mm, so. okay, but we'll talk about it a bit later on, yes. Shall we talk about some of our favorites of the year? I yeah. mean, it's good to start off positive before Go we start on. shitting on things, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, me and Ben have picked the nice round number of eight yes eight yeah. films uh in no particular order for me are there any order for you um i uh i did three which i've kind of written a bit more about so i'll probably elaborate on those a bit more and then i'll have be, there's some there'll be some honorable mentions which will make up the eight. nice uh so yeah yeah a couple of films for me i've literally seen the last couple of weeks the sort of because december there's that sort of mad flurry of releases mm, yeah. uh, and obviously with it being the festive period and and obviously like you're, you're you know you're busy you don't have time to podcast but i thought it'd be quite nice to squeeze some of them in as well just, yeah, to, t- just yeah. to sort of touch on them uh as you know we usually do in a, in a whole episode on each film so <laughs> for the sake of brevity we're going to try and rattle through rattle through them as quickly as possible but yeah i was nice i was i was quite pleased to catch a few and they've slipped into my eight films oh um, lovely yeah. which is good um if anything though the list has made me think god i you know definitely need to go to the cinema more I mean, we both had a busy year with lots of other stuff going on in the background, so it's f- yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think it would be good to... Oh, definitely, yeah. You know. More the merrier with the cinema. For yeah. Me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The best. <laughs> of it. The best. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, Shall I go first or should you? Go on, mate. You, you crack on. I imagine yeah, there'll yeah. be some crossover. There will be, yeah, yeah. Cool. I'll, I'll mention it if there is. <laughs> okay. So the first one for me is Past Lives. Okay, yeah. A film that we saw, uh, well, I saw all the way back in September... Mm. Uh, and we did an episode about but for me it was a film that just sort of left a real lasting emotional impact yeah which has not necessarily been a rarity this year because there's been a few films that have done that but in terms of the subject matter Mm, yeah yeah. in a very oversaturated market in terms of the subject matter yeah uh, it it did a really good job of it yeah um, I that's uh, also on my list ah, as well. So good. yeah, there's a bit of crossover there. Yeah, you're right. It stayed with me as well. It was more consistent than I. I thought Return to Soul had a lot of similar themes. 
another film yeah. we covered, but um, this was more kind of consistent in terms of picking sort of one simple theme and really running with it. Um, yeah. No villains, only victims of circumstance. I always thought that was quite nice. Yeah. And un- yes, yeah. Quite unusual for a sort of narrative fiction. It's certainly something that deals with things like love and romance. You mm. know, I think we said this in the in the episode, but yeah, you know, the rom com does have a tendency to villainize somebody. It's always sort of one make bloke. the behavior more justifiable. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. leaving him or something like that. You know what I mean? Or exactly. Oh, yeah. I'm getting married to this bloke. I don't really like him, but I'm going to leave him, and everyone wants me to leave him. No one yeah. thinks what that guy's like. Life is like afterwards. You know? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no. I yeah, I agree. I really agree. I just you know, it was just a. It's sort of a quietly agonising ode to the relationships that are never allowed to grow. You mm, know? Yeah, and yeah. It was just the way in which those relationships can be impacted by decisions we make or, or the decisions that are made for us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, a really, really wonderful movie. Uh, a debut. Uh, I really, very much look forward to what Celine Song's got next. Yes, me too. Yeah, yeah. Good. Go on then, Ben. Uh, I want to mention again uh, Annie's Main. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, wow. I completely forgot about that. Man, yeah. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Mark. Yeah. Uh, it's um, It just really stayed with me over this the course of this year because we went to see it quite early on last year. I think it might have been in January, actually. Uh, technically, it's a 2022 film, but it didn't come out in the United... It was 2022 at Cannes, and then it came out in 2023 in sort of cinema. So I think that's justifiably, you know... You can, yeah, there's you can a few sat- films that are gonna that are gonna be that, but in England, you know, yeah. we get them late. So, yeah, as far as exactly. I'm concerned, it's 2023. 20, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, oh, just in terms of atmosphere, you know, and I actually criticised the sound design before. I, I sort of want to take that back now because okay. it is, I think it was, I think it really drilled into my skull, and the sound design was largely the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> um, and all done by Mark Jenkins himself as well. It's all very kind of like a not a one man band, but he does. Uh, he's the sort of creative driving force behind a lot of that. Oh, I would certainly agree with that. He does the music yeah. as well, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the cinematography, um, and like the the, the film processing as well as mm. all him. I think that's just quite a delightful. It. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. No, yeah, <laughs> no. Correcting myself. And, yeah, carry on. No, you're all good, man. Yeah. Um, I just think it's like, you know, it's like staring at one of Goya's black paintings for 90 minutes straight <laughs> with Aphex Twins selected ambient works playing in the background. And to me, I mean, that's not that's probably not everyone's cup of tea, but to me, that's like a sort of a delightful way to spend my time. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Delightful is an odd word to use, but it's because it's quite gruelling in places and yeah. very sort of witchy and very like, Harrowing, yeah, but I yeah. love that, and I think it's quite hard to to get that tone right, and it really did. Uh, Agreed. Yeah, stayed with me. Uh, only ninety minutes, as I say. Rivals, kill list, or a field in England is one of my favourite examples of like more more morbidly folk horror film. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's up there with those. So. Oh, wow, high praise indeed. Indeed, yes. Yeah, I know a very good movie. I think mm. you know it, it definitely didn't have the impact that. Um, Bait had. I think people were expecting another bait. I think we yeah, said that, didn't we? Yeah. Um, yes. You know, yes. narratively, this film's a lot less concerned with structure. Yeah. Uh, it's more about enveloping you in, in a sort of in a mood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think as as an exercise, and that it works. Uh, Definitely. And it's yeah. a really fantastic follow on from from Bait, and a mm. yeah, really worthy addition to his filmography. Again, yeah, yeah. someone I really look forward to. Oh yeah, um, be great seeing to see what they do next. Yeah, I, I I did check earlier today. I hadn't got anything in the pipeline confirmed okay but i imagine it'll be another sort of semi self-made 
funded by sort of film four kind of yeah, like 16 yeah. millimeter delight so yeah i always wonder if he not always but i whenever i think <laughs> about him and i i wonder if you'll ever do a film outside of cornwall and how that would impact the sort of the processes that he undertakes yeah he seems so comfortable you know within the mythology of cornwall mm. or, or not just the mythology and history but the sort of current um, strife that it is sort of going through, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. I would, I'd be interested to know if he was going to take himself out of that sort of comfort zone and maybe even go somewhere else, like to another country. Or, oh man, you know, yeah, that'd be, be really interesting to see. I hope, I kind of hope he does, but I think every uh, filmmaker needs to do that once. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Not that I'm telling him what to do. <laughs> fucking oh, come on, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> come on, mate. But uh, yeah, no, yeah. God, yeah, I completely forgot about that. And he's made Wor- yeah. worthy addition. Uh, I'm going to mention. So I, I thought I'd use this as an opportunity to talk about a few films we haven't mentioned before. Yes, okay. Because um, as I said, either you know we we pick a film and then there'd be a few other films that we miss, or with it being the Christmas period, obviously it's it's been very difficult to uh, get down and record an episode. So there's been a few that have slipped in there. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is not one of those. This was in November. I saw this, um, and it was uh, How to Have Sex. Okay. From, yeah, uh, yeah. Molly Manning Walker. Uh, it's a film about uh, three girls that, upon finishing their GCSE results, go on holiday, I think, to Greece. Okay, yeah, yeah. And um, it's sort of this, partly this sort of wonderful ode, this sort of coming of age experience of sort of finding yourself and sort of, and you know, being able to lose yourself, at the, you know, right before the dawn of all these sort of serious decisions that you have to make. Yeah, yeah. The rest of the film, however, is a really sort of powerful exploration of uh, sort of ideas around consent right okay yeah uh, and sexual assault okay and um it's a film that really again talking about films that sort of linger with you this was one that that really did oh okay yeah um and i think it really has sort of it did a really good job of sort of stimulating conversations around these subjects yeah yeah i I, yeah i've not actually watched it it's on movie isn't it um yes it is it went on not too long ago oh yeah yeah i'm glad you mentioned that because i nearly did see that and i uh, for some reason i just uh it wasn't grabbing me at the time but uh i will give that one a go a go actually Uh, yeah it's it's really hard yeah it's really hard to sort of like go through a film that is you know so impactful and powerful with its message in such a short period of time Mm. um but it's sort of a film that really sort of captures both of those things really well yeah but it also captures a sort of like the nightmarish quality of brits abroad holiday really well yeah yeah um (laughs) because that's something that's never really ever appealed to me about just going to like a hot place surrounded by english people Mm. just you know drinking and sort of Going uh, slot machines and go, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just never been my thing. It's just yeah. yeah. Um, but it, the film really captures that. But it sort of, you know, what I think is one of the great achievements of the film is how the director Molly Manning Walker sort of finds pockets of silence among this sort of never-ending mass of writhing bodies. You know, right, okay. And it's you know about these three girls, but it's really about one girl, really. Yeah. And she is someone of which that isn't very experienced in the realms of, you know, with sex or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And she's almost isolated by that. Uh, and I, Yeah, I imagine that's quite a common feeling with, uh, with girls of that age. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. But it's that inexperience that makes her sort of uh, a victim to basic sexual assault. She's sexually assaulted right, by, okay. uh, by a, a, an older man. Uh, he's yeah. a young man, but older than her. I think she, they lie and say that they're eighteen. I think he's in his early twenties. Right. Yeah. Um, and it sort of just 
really gets into these ideas about how we view sex and consent mm. and how poorly equipped everyone is. That's not to say by any stretch of the imagination that it's her fault. Yeah, like, no, you know, no, I think, But it, I think the sort of way in which we talk about it, and it is really, I think it would be a really, really important film to show to young men, particularly. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah about About how they, you know, it's almost like an expectation. And yeah. the idea, another part of the reason I think the sort of British holiday is such a nightmare is that it's an ex- it's like a hyper real extension of that sort of expect masculine expectations how women should present themselves oh, and how yeah, yeah. sex is viewed yeah. and and um you know it almost always seems to serve them um yeah. and women are sort of just chasing that even the, the other two characters who are somewhat slightly more experienced their whole mm. well maybe just one actually you know she is you know very much the way she talks about it and thinks about it, it, it's not necessarily healthy either. It's not. It's not an easy watch. I can imagine it is. Yeah, um, tough, but yeah. it's it's a, a really, I think, a really important movie. One of the more important films uh, of the year. Yeah. Um, but it also is quite funny. Mm. You know, there, there were parts and, and quite sweet in a way. It sort of reminded me of um, After Sun. I was just saying, there's some yeah. narrative parallels here. And it's movie abroad, right? Yeah, 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 yeah of and, course. You know, so I think um, it's not all difficult yeah, yeah um but when it is it's it you know asks a lot of questions about the way we think about yeah. sex and consent and how there is still so much work to do particularly with young people yeah yeah definitely. mostly young men but yeah great film definitely worth a go go on then ben oh uh, yeah so uh f- from that we'll uh, sort of slip nicely into uh very similarly themed film, John Wick Chapter Four. <laughs> uh, no, I just—I mean, I had a great time at the cinema uh, with this one. I thought, despite the fight, it's very long. It's nearly three hours. Uh, maybe it's something to do with the fact that I just moved house and it was a nightmarish sort of house buying process, and I'd finally, my life had finally calmed down, and it was the first uh, sort of lone cinema outing I had. Um, oh, yeah. I love in, a, so- in, a lone cinema out. Oh, I do think there's something special about it, especially when a film's been out for a long time and it's like quite quiet. And I think there's when there's a big audience and you're with someone, it's great. But when you're on your own, you it's for, could be quite isolating. So you look at it and there's loads of couples walking in. You're like, oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but this was um, yeah late on in its sort of release, and um, yeah, I just think you know it's more. It is more of the same. But it's done. It takes itself seriously, which I thought was very commendable. Uh, it's quite difficult for action films of this of, of today to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. Bill Skarsgård was great. I keep thinking about his performance in that film yeah, and just how yeah. over the top and hilarious it was. But not in a way that detracts from the seriousness that I was talking about just now. Uh, I know there's a TV show now, which apparently isn't that good. But I think you know, for for a franchise to end so confidently. It does provide a sort of definitive ending to that franchise, I think. I don't really care what they do next. I thought it was a really great ending. Um, and there's a great Sacre-Cœur oh, stairs yeah. gag as well, Brilliant. which is great. Yeah, sort of reminiscent of, you know, the the great silent comedies of old. Yeah, yeah. You know, and somehow so again, masterfully like, done. Yeah, and it, it still it still doesn't detract from the seriousness. No, it's sort that of creates its own in. sense of humour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Good film. Yeah, great. I mean, we heaped a lot of praise on it I think um, when, mm. when we discussed it but um, yeah we yeah. talked about it in the context of sort of eastern action cinema it's just a real great example of how great western action films can be if we just acknowledge 
mm. some of the things that they do in the East, you know, yeah, 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 and the definitely. legacy of, of Eastern action cinema and how, you know, indebted we are to that. And I think the, the John Wick franchise is a great example of, um, you know, a film that shows that yeah. in abundance. Definitely. Oh. Yeah. But it was long. It's fucking long. Yeah. Yeah. But it's sort of, it was never boring. No. It was sort of, you know, you can kind of feel your muscles starting to go to sleep. But, like, you're still kind of pepped and you start sort of squirming. And, again, if the cinema's quiet, put your feet up. And and you tend to, I tend to be all right. Like, I was quite lucky with Killers of the Flower Moon because that happened. There was no one sat in front of me. So I was like, oh, feet feet are going up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it is long, but I I think I thought it was great. John Wick 2 is shorter and that's definitely got more it's definitely more boring yeah there's definitely quite a lot yeah, yeah. a lot of filler in there a lot of gl- unnecessary globe trotting from what I can remember yeah a lot of establishing shots of European cities yeah that have yeah. gone on for a long time isn't there like a a fight scene in like the Middle East yeah yeah, yeah. that's right is that in two I think so yeah horses oh, or maybe three is that three Oh, who cares? Anyway, one of those. Parabellum. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the point we're making is that despite the long, longer running time, four manages to not be as boring as its predecessor. <laughs> yeah, predecessors. Predecessors. Yeah. yeah, good. I'm going to stay roughly in the similar, uh, well, in the same genre. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to say Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Oh, good. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, I've tried to sort of like pick a broad range of films just you know because i think it's just a good exercise yeah and i just think it's just like john wick is it's just a a real sort of striking reminder of how great great action cinema is Mm. you know and how cathartic and enjoyable and how sort of old school hollywood is and how how there's still life in old school hollywood yeah it's different from john wick in the sense that john wick is very more a lot more martial arts focused hand to hand hand to hand whereas um mission impossible is a lot more spectacle which again is very much hollywood's hollywood's sort of remake not that a lot of fantastic east asian action films that are massive in scope too but yeah i think you know say what you will about tom cruise um as as a as an actor uh, and as a performer, and as someone that is, you know, seemingly hell bent on, on, you know, uh, keeping that old school Hollywood feeling alive, not just in the sort of presentation of himself as a character, and indeed the franchise as a whole, but the, the attitude towards special effects uh, and that's and, and narrative. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, I just think it worked really well. Not my favourite. I still think um, Fallout is my favourite. Hmm. Um, but I just thought it was nice to mention it yeah yeah I thought I think it was great again I just had a really good time at the cinema did we see it together I think yes we did yeah 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 Um, yeah I I I really like three I think three might still be up there as like one of my favourites personally maybe for nostalgic reasons only but um, I although I might have ranked it differently in the podcast uh, that we we did about it Uh, (laughs) no um yeah, I thought it was really wicked. There was some sort, there's some like issues I had with the fact that people kept saying there was no CGI in it, and there obviously was. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But it didn't detract from the fact that the surrounding, the plot was quite engaging. Like the set pieces were fantastic. Not just the set piece that everyone saw that was in the trailer. There was a couple of other really great ones as well, involving oh, yeah. a steam train, which yeah, I thought was yeah. really quite funny. The way they kind of employed archaic technology in the second half of that film which is quite funny and tongue-in-cheek about 
the the AI uh, adversary in in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, agreed. Great, 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 great pick. Yeah, I just think that again, like given the sort of technical innovations that are you know very much uh, at the doorstep of the medium and indeed our broader lives, it was quite. A, it's quite a a bold move to sort of um, stick the finger up to that, really. Yeah, uh, and yeah. stay stay sort of true to the tried and tested techniques. Mm. Uh, and I think there's definite room for that you know the sort of cautionary tale about the sort of use of that technology is is no better seen if you think about cgi and the state of modern hollywood and how that has really impacted audiences viewing viewing habits Mm. uh, in terms of focus and be able to sort of interrogate slightly more complex ideas yeah uh that's a really wanky and twatty thing to say but (laughs) i think you know cgi has impacted that hugely particularly in the mainstream um, landscape, you know. Mm. I don't think films like Joker would have had half as much praise had it not come out in a period of time where the vast majority of blockbuster films are sort of like CGI heavy, mainly animated. Films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I don't course. know. Yeah, just, just a thought. But yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Happy days. I agree with myself. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with my own choices. Yeah, that's um, reassuring. <laughs> so yeah, I've got one here that we didn't. Uh, do a podcast on uh, which I quite liked it was a horror film that just sort of I mean I'd heard good things um, and it didn't disappoint like my expectations were sort of met really Uh, talk to me okay yes I have seen talk to me yeah yeah I I just thought it was uh, a very kind of hyper violent in places like really quite quite nasty to like but it kind of employs that sort of nastiness without being overtly sort of torture porn yeah fair it's and also the super the supernatural element of it is handled quite well i thought quite similar to it follows um just in the way it's presented as kind of like parallels yeah 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 um and uh it it kept me guessing as well which is a rarity with a lot of horror films like sort of like the nun 2 or something (laughs) i pretty much know what that's gonna be about already um yeah, just I mean, I don't have an awful lot more to say about it really, other than it was just it was just sort of a nice surprise. Uh, yeah, I, I I personally wasn't as taken with it. Uh, I sort of felt that it, it straddled an awkward line between like a genuinely great A twenty four horror and the and one of those sort of possession films. I didn't okay. I yeah, couldn't quite yeah. decide which side it fell in more, more into. Okay, yeah, but I, I did enjoy it. I didn't dislike it. As yeah, I said, I yeah. the, you know the way the concept is is you know, with the with the hand. I thought mm. that was quite cool. And yeah, the the, the the violence. There seems to be a real um, obsession with like like young people's heads being slammed into tables. <laughs> that seems like to be like A twenty four's like horror shtick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you yeah, know, fair enough. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> I didn't think about that actually. But you're right. They maybe there's just some kind of like revolutionary new technology that allows twelve-year-olds uh, <laughs> yeah, to just yeah. smack their head on the edge of glass tables. And I love the idea. It's just a guy in a, in a fucking full morph suit who hates kids, <laughs> <laughs> just smashing kids' yeah, heads. Yeah, <laughs> but I got one take here. Don't kill him, for Christ's sake! Please, not, not again. Um. Another pick for me, uh, Ferrari. Another film we haven't had a chance to do a podcast about. Which no, is a shame I haven't seen it. No. Because, again, I uh, was only lucky enough to see this a week or so ago. I got given a cinema voucher for Christmas. Ooh. Thank you, Libby. Thanks, Libby. Uh, and uh, I used it pretty much immediately and th- you know, to go and see this. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. And uh, I, I sort of went in not really expecting a lot because I'm not that into cars. Yeah. 
uh, at all. And I know very little about Ferrari or the sort of history that surrounds him. Um, I was aware that obviously he was a very popular figure in a certain period, obviously mm. a pioneering figure in his field. Yeah. Um, but I had very little knowledge about that. I'd seen Ford versus Ferrari and quite enjoyed that. And yeah. Because, you know, it's just a very sort of straight-laced blockbuster affair. Um, James Mangold. James right? Mangold, mm. yeah. Uh, we were saying, saying actually to our beloved Cinderboy Dan, who hopefully will get on at some point soon. Yeah, yeah, he mentioned yeah, he he did mention come it. on. Um, yeah. We were saying that Mangold is such a steady pair of hands and that there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but anyway, so that was, you know, the only sort of car film I'd seen and really liked mm. or quite liked. But of course, I forgot how fucking good Michael Mann is. I mean, he's just an institution and one of the yeah. greats of Hollywood. And thinking about it afterwards, after I came out, I was like, that was fucking great. Yeah. I was yeah. like, why did I even sort of doubt him <laughs> at all? Yeah. Even if the subject matter isn't my wheelhouse, which is the case with so many films. So I don't know. But a really brilliant film. Uh, Mann sort of continuing his cinematic obsession with tortured men, ebbing out the last remaining years of their chosen craft. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah sort of lonely men married to archaic principles and having like a warped sense of morality that sort of alienates them from everyone else. Oh, right, okay. Driver, it's the, you know, it's the second time he's played in Italian. I know House of Gucci wasn't received that well. Yeah, um, a lot of, it, yeah, it, the, the way that sort of the Italian accents were handled. Yeah, the mannerisms and the behaviour. Some yeah. accents, more, some actors more than others were was criticised. But uh, I think Driver has come out and said like, about that fact he's like it doesn't matter <laughs> he's literally no, I, don't care. No, I, yeah. I, I think he's excellent here mm. um obviously you know your mileage may vary with the with the accent but for me that's not something that really pulls me out of films that much uh particularly a film like this you know i expect that there's probably going to be some inconsistencies on the basis he's not italian yeah um <laughs> the only sort of offender here is shailene is it shailene shailene woodley yeah, yeah her accent's pretty poor that yeah. does yeah it's not great oh, i like her in some yeah, certain she's a things great but... actress but here not not good not not so good and again she doesn't get a lot to do her, her character is very sort of sort of female right sort of side character it's hard not to caricature the accent, I think. It's a hard one to get right. So yeah. if you know, if one actor manages it, if Driver manages it, that's good enough for me. Yes. Um, yeah, Michael Mann. Apparently Black Hat has got sort of a weird... I haven't actually seen it, but his film Black Hat, which came out in like 2015, I think. Yeah, yeah. and nobody watched it. Like, been sort of experienced a bit of a revival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen it, but I don't really remember it. And I remember being really marred by everyone else being negative about it. Yeah, okay. So I'm, I actually bought it after coming out of the cinema on eBay. Oh, uh, really? So we'll have to watch it together because I think yes. it, it's, it's due. I think a lot of his, even his lesser work gets reevaluated mm. with um, a sort of like more, um, with a bit more sort of reverence further okay. down the line. But no, this is great, really brilliant film stunningly shot the race sequences when they come are really good uh, the sound design is the real champion as you'd expect for a Michael Mann film yeah 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 the way he sort of juxtaposes the sleekness of these beautiful cars I mean, I'm not that into cars but it's hard not to sort of you know be be enamoured with the sort of way in which these cars are built he juxtaposes that sort of smooth shininess with the sort of engines within oh, and it's okay. almost like yeah, these yeah. sort of shuddering roaring engines they disturb quite a lot you know the, the more quiet moments in the film yeah there's quite a lot of silence in the film okay yeah um and sort of almost remind him and everyone else of the inevitable you know right you know, that yeah, death yeah. is something that comes oh. to those who race uh, yes but it also comes to everyone in the end and 
it's a real sort of theme of the film. It was actually quite a sort of harrowing experience. Um, oh, some really? of the effects there's a there's a sort of there's a death sequence in the film which is really quite shocking. Again, it'd be, it's a shame not to sort of spend an hour talking about it, but <laughs> really worth it and um just a lesson to never write off Michael Mann. I don't know yeah. why I did it. Sorry. Sorry, Mike. Ah, uh, mate, uh, don't worry about it. That's from Mike. He's just messaging. Oh, me. brilliant! Yeah, cheers. Even yeah. though this episode isn't live. <laughs> uh, cool. Um, I don't know who what what else to pick because I've got a few here which I've written down, but like, I don't know whether I should mention them. I'm just gonna me- I'm gonna go a bit left field here. Go on. And it's a film I don't think we've discussed even together off mic. Oh right. Okay. Uh, I went to see a haunting in Venice with. Uh, with Hannah expecting to hate it because I hated Death on the Nile and I'm quite hesitant to put this in my top 8 but I'm going to anyway because wow. I had a real blast with it thought it was really good oh, wow okay <laughs> have you seen it no I remember thinking that the ch- I've seen one of the other ones and wasn't I thought it was pretty poo yeah um, yeah but I uh, and I'd sort of written off ever sort of venturing into that it you know, version of the world again. Yeah. Uh, but I remember thinking the trailer obviously lent a lot more into that sort of, or into into horror. Yes. Yeah. Um, and thinking that was quite an interesting way to take something. I mean, obviously the critical response has been pretty lukewarm with the previous two films, so why yeah. not go a bit more left field with it? That's exactly what they've done. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it's much better. It's much better than the previous two. It's still not perfect. I mean, it's still Kenneth Branagh doing that weird Poirot impression. Yeah. It's almost like an impression of him, as opposed to him acting. Uh, but yeah, it, it's quite hokey, isn't it? Yeah, big time. Yeah, it's how ha- he hams it up to a and. Uh, but in this one, it works a bit more to his favour. It's a lot more location filming. Like they clearly, you know, took the time out to actually travel to Venice and. Although uh, I think there is a set that's utilised for the interiors, the exteriors, like it's just, you know, it's a beautiful looking city. It's a lesser known story, I think. So I wasn't, because I knew about the, like I'd seen the original Houston off Death on an R, so I knew how it ended anyway. Mm. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express, I think I had an inkling. Um, yeah, because I, I, I had seen, that's the one I'd seen. Yeah. And I'd, yeah. I've also seen the Sydney Lumet one before. Yes, of course, yeah. yeah. So you know how they're going to pan out, but I didn't with this one, and it was sort of surprising. Uh, kept me guessing. It's just a good time. Oh, well, nice. <laughs> I might have just been in the right mood for it, but uh, yeah, I thought it was worth mentioning because I was not expecting to like it at all. Well, there we go. And um, I was pleasantly surprised, so there we go. Why not? Why not? Can throw, I... throw in a pleasant surprise. Yes. That could be your yeah. pleasant surprise of the year. <laughs> the only one. There won't be any more. <laughs> Throughout the entirety of 2024, there's no more surprises no, coming from me. No more. <laughs> uh, I went for Anatomy of a Fall. Okay, I've heard a lot about this. Yeah. Um, again, another film I managed to squeeze in uh, on the build-up to Christmas. I just spent most of my time hiding in the cinema, away from all the shopping and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, a really sort of solid uh, murder mystery courtroom drama that uh, interrogates the, the contrasting methods of prosecution and the defence in their pursuit of truth. Basically, it's about two authors uh, who are married, yep. uh, who live with their son who is blind out in the Alps. Okay. And um, one day after the woman, played by Sandra Huller, who's excellent, uh, has uh, has to cancel an interview with a, um, a literature student because her husband is playing music really loud. Oh, right. Um, okay. Uh, basically, the husband dies. 
Okay. And yeah. if he's, he's found dead in the snow outside the house. Ooh, okay. And the, the film basically tries to, basically unpacks uh, how the court, both the prosecution and the defence, try and free her of any sort of culpability. Yeah. Or send her to prison for murder. Because right. the manner of his death is suspicious enough to suggest that, you know, there's a good chance that, you know, he could have... He could have met a yeah, sort of bitter end. Or he could have been suicide. And that's sort of the two angles with which the film takes. Wow, okay, yeah. And it's the way in which both sides of the court and the pursuit of justice dredge up their life. Right, okay. um, Basically, you know, air it all out. Yeah, Um, yeah. It makes it really difficult to truthfully get to the bottom of it yourself and side with one or the other, which I think is a real strength of the film because... On the one hand, you think, fuck it, the prosecution are being really sort of, they're really going, touching a nerve here. And, okay. And, yeah. and they're, they're, they're sort of interrogating parts of this relationship that obviously weren't great. But as someone that's in a relationship, as I'm sure many people would agree, yeah. you know, there's not many people in life who see an uglier side to you than your partner on occasion. Yeah, yeah, of you, course. You know, yeah. And um, the idea of that being aired out on national television is something that would be mortifying for everyone I assume yeah, yeah Jesus uh, yeah. but in the art when in the pursuit of justice uh, it you know it's free reign mm. and then people can view that and judge it and liberate themselves from the sort of knowledge that they're just as capable okay. of behaving that way you know oh, wow. so, and Huller herself is so good because you don't quite write her off as a murderer either okay <laughs> so yeah, it's it, yeah. i'm not going to sort of spoil it too much but although i probably have uh but it's just a real great exercise in sort of building tension through you know it, just through those sort of those elements oh wow okay yeah i mean it's been a while since i've seen a courtroom drama yeah they tend to really you know they tend to really focus on one side or the other mm. um Oh, completely, yeah. Uh, and to have a film that sort of has a real overview of everything and and leaves you with a sort of real bitter taste in your mouth about the pursuit of justice, but also leaves you uneasy about her as well. Yeah. Um, really well done. And, nice. the, and the sort of omnipresent nature of everyone else's opinions around it, it's seldom addressed in the film, but it feels really heavy. Oh, and man. it's almost like characterised. Uh, and I think it's that, in this sort of Netflix generation where, you know, we're so sort of you know everyone's really into murder documentaries and all this sort of thing and theorizing about people yeah yeah you know we, amateur we almost, sleuthing yeah we almost forget that there are people involved and yeah. um you know there is potential for real damage uh if not done properly yeah yeah and uh you know and 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 perhaps with more privacy in mind i don't know i don't mm. know i don't know what the right stance is i don't work in those fields <laughs> but uh, it's a really interesting sort of interrogation of those ideas anyway and really worth it it's quite long but yeah it keeps you engaged. The only criticism I have of it, really, is the ending's a bit flat. Okay. Uh, and the, I know you're going to laugh when I say this because it's something I'm quite hot on, um, <laughs> is the way writers write dialogue for kids. Yeah, films. yeah, I know you, yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes they're just the, the boy in the film, brilliant, you know, in terms of performance, but some of the dialogue just seems... I don't know, he seems to have a little bit too much knowledge about the human condition and the sort of nuances of the justice system for an eight-year-old boy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe French kids are just smarter than English kids are but uh, at that age. But yeah, only minor niggles in what is otherwise a really excellent film. 
it's odd that um, uh, of the three people living in the Alps, uh, one of them falling off a presumably like quite high sheer drop. It wasn't the one that was blind. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Having not seen the film, that might be quite an insensitive thing to say. We'll find out. <laughs> You'll find out. You watch for them. We'll, then we'll come back to our to yeah, our yeah, yeah. Listeners. <laughs> Uh, go on then, I'm interested to hear what you've got next. Yes, all right. Uh, I'm going to say One Fine Morning. Yeah. Another one that just, just stayed with me. I won't say too much about it because it's a very simple, I think this is actually absolutely its strength, but it's just a very simple kind of mediation on t- taking on the burden of responsibility of uh, sort of parents who are getting like e- ever more sort of elderly, really, and what that could do to you and what that can do to your sort of your own relationships and you know just how how that's how you can navigate that and how you can find a sort of uh you know bit bit of a, a ray of hope in, in in everything i just thought mm. it was quite a nice easy breezy watch considering it's subject matter really yeah i mean mia hansen love is so good for sort of threading philosophical depth and complexity and real raw emotion into something that is into the everyday, yeah, you know? yeah, and I think that's a real strong point throughout all of her work. Mm, yeah, I went on a bit of a binge of hers because Mubi had quite a lot of her films on um, after to sort of, I guess, to sort of in, in correlation with the release of One Fine Morning again, a 2022 release, but obviously being in England, we got it quite a bit later. Yeah, we watched it. Yeah, um, last year. <laughs> but no, I, I think it's a a really lovely film, and mm. I'm actually annoyed that I didn't put that in mine. <laughs> but there we go. No, I, yeah, it's a sort of very powerful ode to the many faces of vulnerability. I yeah, think. yeah. The ones that we obscure uh, and the ones that we sort of bear mm, yeah. in, in times of just, you know, wanting to be loved. Yeah. Uh, especially when we're living through something as difficult as having a f- like a, a family member, or I think it's a father, isn't it, who's a going dad, through dementia. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. and Leah do superb. Yeah, she's... Oh. Never not superb. Really. Always like yeah, yeah just brilliant in, in anything she's in. We've uh, gone. What's what's your next uh, your next peak peak you? So in? the last two are two films that uh, came out in December. It's freshies. Nice. Uh, one I watched last night. I'm going to go with it. Priscilla. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am always a bit guarded about how much I'm prepared to enjoy Sophie a couple of films because I think there is a uh, in in sort of more independent film circles, there's a real obsession to obsess over aesthetic. Yeah. I think I found that quite a lot at, at university, films, you could go, you know, studying film. It was very much... Cinematography was, almost. Yeah, yeah. People, there were people that, that was, over. Yeah, that was yeah. king, right? For a lot yeah, of people. Yeah. Which obviously to me, it's, obviously it's still an incredibly important part of the filmmaking process, but yeah. it's, you know it isn't the most important thing and I just think mm. there are times in her filmography when she sort of embodies that a little bit yeah uh, this sort of obsession with the material the material yeah particularly yeah. is something mm. that I find uh can find a bit grating it doesn't necessarily always mean I don't enjoy her films overall I, I have a lot of time for Sophia Coppola's films yeah um but as um I don't know I was always a bit guarded and going in I wasn't entirely sure what to expect I'm really pleased to say that i really liked it a lot oh really okay. uh, really really fantastic addition to her work I think it's the best she's been in, in years oh wow okay. uh, I think there's a real maturity in that uh, obsession with the materialism because it ties in so well with the sort of themes of the film mm. and this idea that you know initially Priscilla 
it's sort of drenched in ethereal light as if she's been chosen by some higher power and of course mm. the higher power being Elvis yeah which yeah. you know to a teenage girl would be like being picked by a fucking god right yeah yeah um, exactly and um, sort of plucking her from obscurity and thrusting her into like a dreamlike lifestyle that millions of millions of young women and girls would give their right arm for you mm. know but what I really like about it is that that same sort of bright ethereal cinematography it can't conceal the cracks in Elvis's personality and the person he is. Yeah, yeah. And and those cracks grow. And that sort of obsession with the material starts to be almost oppressive. Right, yeah. As Priscilla is, like, um, incarcerated in this sort of pastel opulence of of his house, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just, I just think it was a... Re- yeah, I just think it's a, a sign of... Maturity and her work. I mean, obviously, you know, she's she's a fantastic filmmaker, and I, I don't want to sort of rag on her too much for that element. But it feels like a real sort of thematically thematic maturity. It feels very thematically mature uh, to deploy it in this way, and I think it's the best use of it. I think in her filmography. Oh, that's that's great. I'm glad because she she is a real hit and miss filmmaker. Uh, I'm thinking Lost in Translation. I quite liked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, actually, I really like The Beguiled. Although I know it's that's a remake, so arguably the um, Source material is not down to her at all, um, but I liked that. I thought that was good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hated Marie Antoinette. I thought that was really bad. <laughs> That's a I lot of people really... say that about it. I need to rewatch it. Oh, um, oh, I can't oh, remember God. what I thought about it, but it's a sickly, it's uh, a sickly movie. Very bright and colourful, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. this is exactly what you were sort of, you know, what you were saying earlier about the he- heavy reliance on aesthetic, and that mm. is massively guilty of it. Okay. Um, but no, I like Somewhere as well. That's quite a good film. One of the lesser known ones oh, in her filmography. Yeah, yeah, I quite yeah. like that. But no, yeah, I, I just think it's yeah a real exploration of the dark side of of of, of celebrity and particularly her life. I think yeah. a lot of people have criticised it because it doesn't feel like it says a lot about her, uh, about her sort of dreams and aspirations and the kind of character she is. Okay. But I would argue that the whole point of the film is that it's about that being taken away from her. Yeah. So you know to sort of reinforce themes and you know to reinforce those ideas about the nature of celebrity and mm. you know and the kind of person Elvis was he was you know a very broken man medicated on booze and drugs obsessed with his own mythology yeah, yeah. controlling you know plucking a young girl who was in ninth grade yeah you know and it's almost like you know something to control yeah um and to control everything about her and i think the more troubling aspects of his character and the dark elements of the film, which really grow, you know, as the film progresses. Um, I think it's really important that the film is the way it is to do that. So, you know, that's my rebuttal to that criticism. There we go. Not that that criticism isn't legitimate, <laughs> but um, yeah, really, really good movie. Real surprise. I was also lucky to see it at the watershed in 35 millimeter. Oh really? Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't know so, they had a projector. No, no, never did I. Oh no, yeah, I think yeah. I have seen a film there in thirty-five mil, but it's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. And um, basically, I think it's on the Movie Go app next week. Okay. But I thought, yeah. fuck it, thirty-five yeah, mil, and yeah. it just it that cinematography, the way it crackles and pops, there's that t- additional texture. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, it just makes it all the more sort of it just sucks you in. Is really there, good. Was there cigarette burns at the top in the top right-hand corner still? I don't know if you might not have noticed it because um, that's usually for, uh, something I really miss for some reason. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. The, I don't know if I had that. I, I was sort of. It's hard to sort of remember because you sort of get so used to the the way the film. Yeah, the, yeah. You know the way it, it, it 
it sort of pops that you yeah. don't really notice but oh. it definitely assisted the the vibe of the movie so if you can see it in that way i would advise it i can't imagine it would um detract too much if you had to see it in digital but yeah you know it was a real added bonus ah lovely yeah i'm conflicted about what i want to choose next and i'm gonna just say both of them but i will make a decision uh, the reason why I might this might be a bit cheeky to mention is because it is very much a 2022 film and kind of was involved in early 2023 award ceremonies. But I can't not mention it because we did a podcast about it in 2023. Right. Um, okay. So yeah, it's a toss up between Killers of the Flower Moon and After Sun. I'm probably gonna have to go After Sun because uh, it just had such a profound impact on me um, to the point where I, I'm sort of hesitant to watch it again because of how sort of emotionally devastating it was yeah, the first yeah. time and um i mean of and also another reason i want to mention it is because our episode that we've recorded which i'm really proud of uh the sound wasn't great <laughs> so <laughs> yeah yeah just kind of briefly relay over some of the, the reasons why i like it so much is uh, it just does such a great job of encapsulating that um the childlike the, the going on holiday when you're you're little and the memories that you hold so dear to you in the you know in those moments it does such a great job of uh, reinvigorating that feeling mm. for for an hour and a half, mm. and then to kind of couple that with the sort of um, a lot more kind of mature, devastating themes, and, and the way it handles that in a sort of uh, in a visual way, very very much they very very much handles the de- the sort of morbid devastation in a sort of visual fashion and it's not not really in the dialogue it's about when there is no dialogue and it's about mm. the acting with Paul Mescal it's fantastic uh, and how he kind of approaches that it's just wonderful and the last shot is just just flawed just flawed me. Yeah, yeah. and it took a while to digest and I think even when we were talking about it I didn't really I couldn't articulate it as well uh, probably because it was episode 2 Um <laughs> But yeah, I will pick that over Killers of the Flower Moon because I, I do, I did love Killers of the Flower Moon, but um, I it just, yeah, I, I feel like that that wins. Uh, very different films. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there yeah. we go. Yeah. Yeah, no. A, a, one of the great films of the last sort of couple of years, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think you're right, absolutely spot on with your sort of thoughts on it. Mm. I really like the sort of childlike view of parents. Yeah, that's yeah, one yeah. of the real strengths for the film for me. Like, not quite having the life experience to understand why your parents behave a certain way, but being surprisingly well attuned to their emotions and feelings. And yeah, 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 brilliant film. Yeah, man. And of really course, good. you know, it may have just lost out to it, but Killers of the Flower Moon is also, you know, not in my top eight. Funnily enough. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I just I don't know why I didn't make it. It just um, it is the length is a big problem for me. I know that's a we've talked about this many times in the past but I do think actually sort of in hindsight it's a real um, bone I like to pick about that film and I think it's justified because it is I think yeah I I think there's a growing contingent of people who just like a solid hour and a half to two hour movie and I think anything more than that is a big ask yeah yeah I think I don't mind as long as they can justify it and I felt that by and large in the film they they justified it yeah Uh, and the fact it's Scorsese at the point of the career that he's in, I think we said this in, in the episode when we talk about it, but yeah, yeah. You know, that is sort of acceptable to me that he does that. Yeah, um, yeah. That's my sort of Scorsese fanboy hat on there. But <laughs> It kept my attention, to be fair. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, a very solid 
addition to his filmography and, and his commitment to the sort of the mythology of of, of America. Mm, you know? Completely, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I yeah, I didn't include it. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't know why I didn't include it actually. Do some soul searching about that. <laughs> yeah, I was quite yeah. positive about it in, in the. In the oh episode. yeah, completely. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not fantastic. It just. Um, I guess that's what happens when you choose eight films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe in the in the sort of Instagram, we'll do like a few notable omissions as well. We can yeah, check them in. The yeah. Can, Absolutely. Yeah. Look at those at your leisure. Mm. Uh, okay, final one for me is the Boy in the Heron. Okay. Yeah. Not another one I've not watched. Uh, mm. Obviously, Studio Ghibli, Miyazaki. Uh, not necessarily the strongest film in his filmography, but mm. it's just so fucking lovely to have him back making movies. Yeah, he's yeah. retired and returned quite a lot, uh, and every time the world is a better place when he comes back. Oh. Uh, and this film is another great example of it. I think it's a it's a culmination of all of the sort of themes that he's looked at in his previous films, um, sort of adolescent and national trauma, particularly in the context of post-war Japan. Right, okay. Um, you know, um, the environmental element isn't necessarily as strong in the film, uh, at least in the way that it is in his other films. Mm. But it's still there in, in, in a sort of in various guises. The way in which uh, the film superimposes the sort of fantastical, the mytholo- mythological onto sort of the real world mm. is another sort of key part of his work. Yeah, yeah. So in many ways, it is quite similar to a lot mm. of his other films. And I would perhaps argue that because it feels like such a sort of thematic and even narrative culmination of lots of other things and themes and ideas he's sort of explored in the films that it doesn't quite achieve the similar sort of heights mm. uh, but what i will say about it is that it's a lot more abstract narratively okay yeah. um and there's just something really sort of quite uh liberating about that mm. like you know as a viewer i mean from his perspective it, it must be more so but uh, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> uh, get him on the blower, we'll find out. Yeah, yeah. Um, he just texted me. <laughs> he definitely hasn't. <laughs> yeah, imagine. Yeah. Uh, I can't understand it. It just feels like a sort of more experimental film, I guess, uh, in terms of his other work. Oh, okay. It doesn't always stick the landing. I think the opening's a bit, lo- bit long, okay. and it leaves yeah. him with a lot to sort of a lot of loose ends to tie up mm. um, but as a sort of visual exercise it's stunning one of his best looking films mm. um, I was the only thing I regret about watching it was that and I have to talk about this because it was a traumatic experience oh god uh, I went to see it with my friend Eleanor and we went to the watershed to see it because we wanted to see the Japanese version because that's the best way for yeah it was subtitles yeah um, and it was dubbed. No, so we were like, no, we're not doing this. It was yeah, absolutely hammering it down with rain. Went all the way across Bristol to Avonmead. Really, only to realise that was also dubbed. Oh, mate, I think wrong. There's some pretty awesome sort of you know Western actors in in the in the sort of uh, yeah you know, yeah doing the voices, but it just doesn't feel the same. Mm. Um, so I will definitely rewatch it at some point with you know the subtitle that you know with the Japanese original Japanese dialogue. All that aside, it was still a really enjoyable film. Uh, and yeah. again, it was lovely. I think maybe I'm more swept up about the sort of experience of watching it because it was so lovely to see a usually quite quiet cinema, as you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, packed That's, to the rafters. That is really uh, encouraging. Yeah. An enthusiasm for like a film that isn't Western, mm. you, know, you know, from another culture. 
Same with Godzilla minus one keeps getting yeah. re-released. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just lovely to to hear. It's that. lovely to see. Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, that's that would be my eighth pick as well, Godzilla. Oh really? I'm oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, for for the, for the similar reasons, really. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk about that too much. We literally just talked about it in the last episode. So <laughs> if you want to hear uh, thoughts on that. Yeah. go back one yeah like you say it's just wonderful to see an enthusiasm for these kinds of properties mm. from the countries of which, of their origin um, because that's what I think cult- the sharing of culture is all about and I think it's really important that we keep striving for that and seeing that and seeing lots of children in the audience as well which oh, is lovely oh that's nice yeah, you know? yeah. So, yeah great so they'll get enveloped with the same yeah. feeling you know having yeah. really presumably really lovely memories of watching a film of that ilk yeah in the cinema good to uh, very pleased to hear that. Yeah. Uh, brightened my day. Uh, <laughs> even more than, than just being here. Well, you know. <laughs> um, happy days, yeah. I mean, the only... I, I don't really have any anything else to mention. Um, I will say that Saltburn is very good. I don't know if it would make it into a list or anything. Um, I've got uh, some words that I'd like to say in, in sort of more of a negative light about, about that film as well. Uh, you know, as well as acknowledging films like The Holdovers, which I don't think either of us have seen. Apparently no. that's amazing. Coming out uh, in England on the 19th of January. There we go. There we yeah. go. That's why. Um, so, yeah, there, there, there are obviously blind spots that we have. You know, it's impossible to see everything. <laughs> yeah. There we yeah, go. yeah. I think, uh, you know, this isn't our day job <laughs> no if had no. it be if you know That'd be nice feel free to you know to try and make it our day job everyone yeah uh, yeah specifically if anyone is here from baby bell we're wicked <laughs> to get sponsored by baby bell because i'd be happily you know plug baby bells oh yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> to be fair i would yeah 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 i don't think they're particularly nefarious company are they uh as far as i'm aware no they're who, pretty who owns baby bell i want to say it's a french company i might be wrong it's not craft <laughs> They seem to own loads of cheese companies. Uh, anyway, okay. <laughs> um, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Oh. Um, quickly rattle through some of the films that I've written in my notes belong in the bin. A bit harsh, <laughs> uh, maybe. There's going to be some crossover here. Yeah, I think so. So my first so, one's Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, yeah, agreed. That's utter shite. Really Even bad. Even for Marvel, it was just hokey weird like trying to be funny at the beginning and in the end and naff cg and really disengaging not good yeah i've always felt that with someone like paul rudd who's just naturally quite charismatic and quite sweet and funny they've not really utilized him that well i don't think no i don't think so um and it's particularly apparent here yeah just just rudderless sort of like stumblings you know there's clearly a lack of coherency in the vision yeah uh, and yeah that sort of horrible quippy sort of dialogue that mm. marvel i mean again it's going to be your, your mileage is going to vary depending on your enthusiasm for that sort of the universe and the characters but even by their those standards i think it's easily one of the worst written marvel films yeah uh, definitely my follow-on is Expendables 4. Expend yep. 4 balls. Expend 4 balls, yeah. yeah it's criminal that a film that expensive can look that bad. Oh, yeah, it really does. Um, shit. Really poor. Uh, again, I, I, I'm all for straight-to-DVD action film experiences. Uh, I'm not a snob when it comes to action films. But, no, yeah. Uh, that is just shit. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't entertaining. Pervy, yeah. crass. Out of date. Out of date, yeah, just... And it, it, it was a film that clearly strived to be something more, and I think that's where it leaves itself open for more criticism. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Cocaine Bear. 
I've not seen Cocaine Bear. Uh, I've heard mixed. Some people quite enjoyed it, but I've... Again, I, I yeah. didn't buy the B-movie aesthetic when it's obvious the film's got quite a bit of money behind it. Yeah, right. Okay. I'm all for those kind of celebration things, but it's not our get-or-jail-free card for me. I mm. uh, didn't enjoy it. Uh, Babylon. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, a film released in 2022. I'd be interested to... But obviously, because we live in England, this sort of hallowed green isle. <laughs> Is that right? Hallowed? Uh, England's pastures green, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hallowed's a good English sort. Yeah, of, I think so. To describe a church in London or something. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Gothic architecture. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I didn't really, I thought um, visually really impressive and some great performances and some really cool ideas. Uh, just excitedly lobbed together in an incoherent sort of mess. Yeah. Um, the last 15 minutes were shocking yeah, really, uh, yeah. one of the wor- I think arguably the worst 15 minutes in the film of the year yeah okay um, supposed to inspire some sort of hope but didn't no <laughs> um, I don't know I'd quite like to rewatch it because there were parts about it I quite liked and I feel maybe I'm being a bit harsh put saying go in the bin uh, it's not it's not gonna make my list but I agree with you that that last montage was insufferably bad and doesn't yeah that stayed with me as one of the least, my least favourite cinematic sort of experiences. Sure. Yeah, I just think that the, the film doesn't do a fantastic job of conveying that period very well, mm. and I think it overdoes it. Which, in a way, I think is sort of contradictory. If you're so fascinated about the sort of the birth of that of of, of the medium, which you know he's obviously is and has contributed his fair his fair sum to, you know, yeah, yeah. Why not be more truthful? Why mm. after? Why over egg it? I don't know. Seems a bit silly to me, but yeah. I'd like to rewatch it. Maybe my opinion would change. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, but uh, in the meantime, new, new Chazelle. That's all I've written so far. Do you have any other ones? I've got two more. Go on. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've seen these two. Uh, Rebel Moon Part One: A Child of Fire. No, I haven't seen it. Uh, it's there's really... a part of me that quite likes Zack Snyder for some reason, so I was sort of holding out for the idea that I might just think. Sort of like with Batman vs Superman, like I know the film isn't good, but there's yeah, just some yeah. part of me that, for some reason, quite likes elements of it. Uh, I really couldn't stand this one. Okay, I I've really, heard that really from a lot of like people. It. Yeah, it's it's a shame because I quite like I really like a lot of his early films. Like yeah, his early films is great. Three Hundred yeah. Watchmen and Dawn of the Dead, both fantastic films. I'll see any day of the week. Um, yeah, I'll see those. I wouldn't see Three Hundred. I think ITV Four killed it for me. But, um, <laughs> And the sort of weird lad culture around it sort of puts me off it. Oh, um, yeah, agreed. Uh, but, you know, the, the other two, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I won't say much about it other than that it's really derivative, is uninspired, too long. Apparently there's going to be a director's cut because that's his thing now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, just dreadful, boring. I was in and out of it. It was that bad. I, was, I couldn't, it just didn't grip me at okay. all. Um, there we go. And the other one... Which is a shame, because I like the filmmaker Meg to the Trench. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw this on the same day that Hannah and her friend saw Barbie. So I um, was disappointed because I like Ben Wheatley. And I know it's just him, you know, getting a paycheck. Fair enough. Yeah, but I was expect- do it. Yeah, I was just expecting more from him. Even though, obviously, I wasn't a huge... I didn't mind the first one. I thought it was an alright shark movie. But... Um, yeah, it's just a shame to see him do a, a sequel this low. And then Hannah and her friends came out of Barbie really excited. 
and I just put another sort of. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> I've just been to see Meg do the trench. So <laughs> sorry, I'm not on the same level as you. No, <laughs> just sat, and I was driving as well, so I just had like a, a fucking like ice cream float, and just sat in the corner whilst they talked about Barbie. <laughs> anyway, yeah, there we go. There's my shit picks for the year. Shit picks. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Shit picks. <laughs> I'm sure there are more, but yeah, they're, they're the ones that stood out for me the most. Anyway. Yeah. 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 What about change of opinions then? Because in this sort of section of discussion before we close out with a sort of quick uh, natter about films coming up this year that we w- want to cover and talk about, it just it just struck me that there were two films in particular that I've had a lot of discourse around them and my feelings towards them, not necessarily because of the discourse, but I've sort of changed. Okay, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously they've been influenced by it, particularly in the case of Barbie. Yes, I just think it's not been enough to put them in in the in the shit pick pile yeah, by any no, stretch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're films that I both still like. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting to talk about that because you know once you put your opinion out, particularly on like a podcast, it's pretty difficult to sort of uh, people will just think that's your opinion and, and yeah, yeah, and opinions change. And I just sort of wondered how you felt about the idea regarding those two movies. Yeah, I'm. I I think for me, Oppenheimer. I haven't really changed my opinion on it. Okay. Um, I th- I'd be interested to hear why you have though. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have discussed it a little bit already. Um, and it was you that prompted my opinion to change slightly about Barbie as well. And I'm sh- I'd rather you kind of hear it coming from your <laughs> right, mouth, really. Okay. Uh, but no, I agree. Opinions do change all the time. My opinion on Saltburn changed really drastically. I after the, seeing it based on what I read about it because uh, I've really enjoyed it and then I was reading about the, the filmmaker and where she's from and like what the film sort of means to her and I was like and it kind of soured it ever so slightly okay other ex- examples of my opinion changing of films is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo the 2011 remake I fucking love that film now and for I watched it twice before and didn't wasn't so keen on it for some mm-hmm. reason uh, I think I already discussed this in the killer episode but um, yeah <laughs> it happens right. opinions do change yeah, 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 yeah. so so for Barbie then should we start with Barbie what? yeah I, I, I just think you know, we, we sort of covered this quite a lot in, in, in the uh, episode that we did about it but mm. It's just become a little bit more, I think, harder for me to swallow the idea of the film's sort of thematic intent mm. on the basis that, I don't know, I, I just sort of have questions around the earnestness of the message. Yeah, I yeah. have no issue with the message. I'm not coming at it from like a Ben Shapiro burning Barbies outside his front garden sort of <laughs> angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you're getting the fucking shit picked. Yeah, yeah. It's not made a film, but... Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, it's more just... I think a lot of the discourse around it that sort of started to change my opinion was just the idea that it was it was difficult to imagine this not being sort of focus grouped mm, a lot. Yeah, and when I heard yeah. the word focus group, I just there's something about the word focus group that just just kills my enthusiasm for stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and I just think I thought I think that quite a lot. And I, you know, you see interviews with obviously Greta Gerwig and the cast who are obviously very passionate about the themes of the film. Mm, yeah, and I don't think it's fair to sort of question that. Yeah, um, but I just think the whole reason for the film's existence is to sort of profiteer off that, mm. uh, and I think there is something inherently troubling about that. Given that, wow. is it really is the money from that really going to sort of change the world in a positive way, or is it just going to go to the same people that 
hold all the power and this stunt sound a bit conspiratorial but you know no 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 you know, the I film industry you know the film industry you know it's mostly ran by you know men yeah. right yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah men rich, rich powerful men as who well. have shown in the process of this period certainly over this year yeah they've shown their true colors and i just think yeah. i'm not sure that that we should be leveling too much praise on the film on that basis although i am aware that that is really harsh on the mm. basis that, that again there are a lot of people attached to that film Greta Gerwig included who are very passionate about it and mm. believe wholeheartedly in what they're trying to do yeah um, and I just think that opens up an interesting contradiction that is perhaps more should be leveled more broadly at the industry as a whole and I guess one of the conundrums any filmmaker faces about wanting to make something that's critical about an aspect of society I mean do they not do it to stay true to their principles yeah. and never make anything <laughs> uh, or do they accept that some not very nice people are going to get rich off something but as long as enough people see it and hopefully that will inspire some kind of change I don't know I mean we've talked about this a lot as well like mo- temporary moral realignments yeah, and, you know yeah. we're guilty of it you know and we all are all we watch time. a TV show or a film that strikes a chord with us and it doesn't leave us and you know we think oh I'm going to do something about this yeah. this this fire kind of, training as well yeah, uh, yeah fucking hour better be more cautious about fire than next <laughs> yeah, week yeah yeah back next to week. the old habits exactly <laughs> yeah eating, eating toast in the bath yeah with the toaster um yeah. i don't know i just think there you know there's always going to be that contradiction when you're working within the parameters of this system yeah and it's always going to be something the detractors are going to level at you yeah, and I just I think it's it's just really complicated, and I think but that complexity is something that has marred my enthusiasm for for those messages in the film somewhat. Mm, yeah, I think the thing that worries me the most is uh, obviously I'm quite looking forward to a, hopefully a positive change based on the outcome of the strikes and based on you know the fact that Marvel is is on the potentially kind of going down the swanee a little bit. <laughs> uh, um, and the you know the, the flip side to that is obviously Barbie is the highest grossing film of 2023 by quite a significant margin. You know what is that going to mean for other films that come out? You know, is there going to be like a Ken standalone film? Is there going to be yeah. other toys that that get kind of uh, sort of sloppy, uh, hastily put together adaptations that mm. that come out? And is that going to mar the landscape? You know, the same as or even more than what the superhero genre has has been doing already that that worries me as well slightly separately to your own point which is like equally valid and I do agree with you I think it's there's definitely a um there's a slight hypocrisy with barbie and its message versus you know how the way it was marketed and uh, and same with uh, saltburn as well the reason I have a bit you know some issues with saltburn mm. is it's directed by emerald fennel who uh, who's privately educated <laughs> and I learned about this afterwards I was like oh okay so I might have missed read a lot of these themes there's a lot of um, you know he's sort of an examination of the tears of the sort of tears of privilege right and um, I, and obviously it's alright to express a sort of reverence for your past experiences and in, in this case it's at her higher education at Oxford University right but then you know when your film's attempting to satirise the ridiculousness of the hyper wealthy lifestyle perhaps take on a writing partner with a more sort of objective view of wealth and this is something she didn't do and as a result the the, the film is slightly, slightly sort of disconnected and muddled um, and I did, you know, I enjoyed loads of aspects of it, I still thought it was really funny and really kind of vibrant 
but yeah, there's it just left a bad taste ultimately mm. for that reason. Uh, and I I think you know as well intentioned as uh, as Barbie is, and as well as tension, intentioned as Emerald Fennel was making this film, there's just a slight. I don't know what kind of cognitive dissonance that's happening. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That, that is that's a shame because yeah. You know. I think every film is going to get this. You know, if if you're critical about something, you know, to do with the system that we live in, then your film, you know, everyone's going to be, you know, all the really smart people are going to, yeah. you know, really just quickly point out that you're making a film within the same system you're criticizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, we've already sort of covered that, but however, like, I do think if you're pushing a certain message or agenda mm. that does leave you open to more criticism yeah yeah and completely. i think in the sort of binary nature and way culture is you know a lot of people are presenting culture or maybe more the more partisan way that culture is being presented i think there's a there's, there is a you know fairly significant pool of people who criticize the film for that reason yeah but they're yeah. getting drowned out by the people that are either pro-feminine mm, or yeah. the sort of meninist movement championed by people at like ben shapiro yeah, yeah exactly and you know and that means that there can't be any sort of proper reflective discussions about it because mm. those people you know putting barbies in bins are sort of like taking all of the critical element and I'm all, you know, it's a knee jerky. Yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, which I just have no fucking time for whatsoever. No, but, no, no. You know, like I think there is some validity to the criticisms on the basis of what we've talked about. Mm, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. As harsh as that makes me, that makes me. No, sad. I think it's interesting that that sort of occurred since that film came out, and maybe it's something to do with the fact that at the time it was like a huge deal and it was everywhere, and there was a lot of sparkle and joy about it, and so it, it might have maybe dampen down people's ability to be critical at least initially um and yeah it'd be interesting to see how see how the film fares over time mm. on that basis so, yeah 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 quickly oppenheimer yeah okay uh, yeah what's the what's your what's your beef i'm joking what, <laughs> you know uh, firstly it tends to happen to be with nolan films by and large yeah okay they always sort of dampen mm. because again as we said in the in the Oppenheimer episode he does all op- occupy this awkward space between being like a singular author mm, the great yeah. saviour of blockbuster cinema or as I've said a lot pseudo intellectual, intellectual shit flinger you know, <laughs> you know and, and, and that's a really you know they're very two very strong contrasting opinions I think that the fact that he occupies that awkward space makes it really difficult to know exactly where he is. Yeah, yeah. But I think certain films, for me, either go more one way or the other. Okay, yeah. Uh, I think with this film, I still think it's one of his better films. Mm, yeah. But I just, I think it could have been a little bit more focused on the impact of what he'd done. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's something that, I, I think there is some credibility to that. To that, I don't know. I think it became more apparent to me after watching like Godzilla uh, right, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and thinking about that, and obviously the film isn't like it doesn't sort of ladle him, ladle praise on him, um, no. necessarily. But I think I think a bit more of a focus on the area would have done the film some good. Yeah, yeah, I think so. There was that one sequence where he was kind of imagining it happening. Yeah, which but- was. Pretty cool. Yeah, it was good. Pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. I never say cool unless there's a microphone in front of my fucking face. <laughs> Pretty damn cool. Seeing Pretty damn cool. People getting burnt. Alive. Yeah, yeah. In that context, it was like a fucking freak. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think yeah, you're right though. I, I think it would have been narratively interesting as well. Uh, not narratively good because it's never nice to see atrocities happen, but 
maybe, yeah, paint a picture as to the, the ramifications of his invention a little bit more, other than just seeing a globe of flame at the yeah, end, yeah. which, as we all know, didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know it's a metaphor for like things to come and stuff like that, and there's a whole thing about the water droplets and the pond and stuff, but... No, yeah, I agree. I, it would have been an interesting addition to the film, considering um, you know, especially considering so much of the film is that is like there's little sort of like visual moments. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't mind them at the start, but as I reflect on it, you know, maybe chop some of that away and maybe focus a bit on the impact. You know. Mm, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but yeah, just 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 enough to sort of knock the film down a little bit, in my estimation. So. Fair play. Yeah, yeah. Right then, twenty twenty four on the horizon. Oh yeah. Is Ooh, are there any Films that you're excited about? I mean, I'm interested, if slightly terrified, about Gladiator 2, obviously. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, as you mentioned, I think before before we started recording, uh, Mad Max uh, Furiosa yep. looks to be interesting. George Miller is an interesting filmmaker. The I think the trailer was very CG heavy, which worried a lot of people. A lot of the visual effects weren't finished. Um, no. So I'm I'm looking forward to that surprising people. I really hope it does anyway. Yeah. Mm. Because Fury Road was such a hit. Yeah, yeah. And it was largely deserved. Mm. You know, yeah, brilliant yeah. film. Real spectacle. Yeah, for me, um, Maxine. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. The, I think the final film in the trilogy um, of X and Pearl. Yeah, X uh, is great. I haven't seen Pearl, but I'd like to. I've seen both. I liked Pearl, but X for me is one of the best modern horror films I've seen in a very, very long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the way it... we I think we spoke about this but um, in the context of Scream, but I think the slasher genre, I think the fact that it always feels this sort of pressure to sort of critique itself yeah, is yeah. something that you know. It's, where's Craven Shadow hangs high over that genre, um, yeah, and that's yeah. not a bad thing because Scream's great. Yeah, uh, certainly the first few and Scream Five as well, which I really like. Oh yeah, you do, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I just think uh, it, you know the way that the film just plays with the sort of grisly mm. innards of the genre uh, <laughs> and does it really, really well and sets it, you know, sets it against the backdrop of you know this sort of sexually liberated youth and the sort of fusty old. And really throws some curveballs and surprises around that. Yeah, I think it's really, yeah. really great. Um, so I'm really looking forward to Maxine. Perfect. Uh, you know the style looks great from the stills I've seen. Anyway, oh. and Robert Eggers Nosferatu. Oh man, that looks great. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I big big shoes to fill. Yeah, yeah. I think he can do it though. I think he can handle it. I think there's anyone that can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I mean, I yeah. Those him and David Lowry are just two. A twenty four boys who are yeah, uh, yeah, I, I yeah. love I love when their their work comes out. Um and yeah, looking forward to that very much. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so too. Oh. Plenty more to look forward to, but for the sake of brevity, I think we should probably stop it there. Yeah, yeah. Uh outro. Outro Questing the Cinematic Void. There it is then. Yeah, there we have it. There we have it. Hey, <laughs> the first one of 2024. I know that I did it. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was really good to sort of revisit last year's um, wide berth of films that we've both yeah. seen. Yeah, yeah. Seen quite a lot. I've quite pleased myself. So, I mean, the year before last, I barely went to the cinema at all, and it's really good to go back mm. a little bit more um, for the purposes of this podcast, mm. So, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> <laughs> so next week, Ben, shoot. Yeah, so a Society of the Snow. It was a film that caught my eye a couple of days ago. I quite like survival films. Mm-hmm. Quite into that. So, um, and I also like the director J. A. Bayona. I like some of his work. Fall of um, Kingdom. Oh yes, an absolute <laughs> Jurassic World Chef's Kiss masterpiece, as we all know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so but Sorry, that's he, a bit harsh. No, on no, 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 no. You're right. It is a. I mean, he's a director for hire in some respects, but he's gone gone back to his sort of native uh, Spanish language um, for this. I think they're they're actually from Uruguay, the main characters. But uh, yeah, it's a. I, I wouldn't say it's a remake, but it's a, a retelling of the story of the rugby team that uh, crash landed in the Andes and the film Alive was made about them right okay. back in 1993 by Frank Marshall and it's just a retelling of that okay uh, and uh, yeah so that's uh, it's not not a cinematic release it's a Netflix mm. uh, which which is a shame but we, we will be going back to the cinema to go and see uh, some some gems very soon yeah yeah there's there's a lot of uh, films coming you know that most of fucking world's already seen. <laughs> yeah, for some yeah, reason. Yeah. You know, we've sort of mentioned this a lot with a degree of frustration this episode. But yeah, yeah a lot yeah. of films. So yeah, poor things. Yeah, uh, and the holdovers, and yeah. the holdovers, both mm. of which are coming out in the next couple of weeks. So I think mm. that's sort of our trajectory sorted for January. Pretty much, the yeah. majority of it, anyhow. So yeah, yeah no, it'd yeah. be good. I'm, 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 I know very little about the film or indeed the subject matter. Mm, yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, 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 int- you know, interested to see how it goes. And of course, that will lend itself to a broader discussion about survival films which is something you really dig so yeah yeah i i, I do like uh yeah struggle for survival i think there's some interesting themes that can kind of get oh absolutely up. yeah so yeah i really exciting. like the gray oh yeah yeah yeah. i don't know why I, we could I, spend an hour and 20 minutes talking about the gray yeah if you want yeah and then yeah. just sort of briefly slotted society in the snow at the end <laughs> yeah oh, by the way yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah nice well well in the meantime yes uh thank you for listening Yes, thank you very much. And uh, we will be with you in the next one. Yeah, see you then. Lots of love. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.